You're listening to episode 52 of the Thriving Mom podcast. Today we're talking about emotional self-care and how to deal with too many feelings. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Thriving Mom podcast, where we invite mothers and mothers at heart to think outside the conventional beliefs about motherhood, nutrition, and raising healthy kids. I'm your host, Uime Oguta, recovering perfectionist and non-diet nutrition counselor, on a mission to help smart women like you find food and body freedom through intuitive eating, self-care, and mindful practices that will leave you kicking balance to the curb, stop surviving, and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Well, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another podcast episode. How are you today? I'm feeling really excited because We're talking about emotions and self-care and what to do so that you can better manage your emotions and stop feeling bad for having too many if you're one of those people. I know I used to be. So I was talking to my kids the other day about self-soothing and how that could be part of self-care. Now I know for some, it's not really something you want to be discussing with kids, but this is what happens in our home. (laughs) And the reason why we were having this discussion is because my toddler, Ashira, has this thing that she does whenever she's upset. She'll cry and go into a really low hum where she just keeps doing that until she either falls asleep or she stops. And then she goes about her way as if nothing happened. Now her sisters find this really annoying because sometimes it feels really interruptive when we're trying to do things together. I, for one, find it fascinating because it just goes to show the range of coping methods that we all have available to us to help us soothe ourselves when we're having difficult emotions. The long home works for Ashira and I've made my peace with it. So now I'm working on helping her sisters be okay by just ignoring it or carrying on with whatever they were doing instead of yelling at her or getting upset at her for doing something that comes naturally to her. As long as she's not hurting anybody, I remind her that she's safe and we're there for her. So today I want to talk about this for us. How we as adults, as moms, can take care of our emotional needs by becoming aware, monitoring, and responding to them in a way that works for us. Now I know that self-care has become this buzzword that people toss around as the solution for stress and overwhelm. But I don't want you to tune out just yet. If you're so over the self-care prescription, and I'm saying prescription here in quote, that's being pushed around on social media or in the news or just anywhere you look, I want you to come closer, be open to seeing why what you're doing in the name of self-care may actually not be working for you. And then let's figure out how you can tweak that to actually do something that works for your own situation. Alright, so when you think about self-care, I bet the picture that comes to mind is something like taking a bubble bath, maybe listening to music, getting your nails done, which are all good things. But when you literally need help with a crying toddler, you're hungry, your phone's ringing while you're trying to get through the door and you're needing to pee at the same time, the last thing you're going to be wanting is a bubble bath because it really can't help you in that moment. Now, while I believe that we can all incorporate some of these self-care practices into our daily rhythm, I really want us to take time and make emotional self-care part of that. In fact, I would dare to say that emotional self-care is more important, and here's why. Everything we do 
all the actions that we take are driven by our emotions. And these have been shaped by the thoughts that we've had about events or circumstances in our lives. Now, if our emotions drive our behaviors, wouldn't it serve us more to pay attention to the thoughts that are actually driving those emotions so that we can assess whether they're serving us or not and then make informed decisions? Friends, this is how we get through life without being reactive. And that's what I want to focus on. Let's talk about emotional self-care and how we can do it in a way that aligns with the feeling that we're wanting to have and how we want to live and show up in our daily lives. So first thing is just deciding that you want to be a woman who invests in her emotional self-care. Your self-image as someone who invests in her emotional self-care means that you will be okay with having lots of feelings. (laughs) And I know this might come as a shock to some people, But hear me out. The reason so many of us struggle is because we've been taught that having too many feelings, having too many emotions, or being too emotional is a bad thing. So we resist our emotions. And the problem with that is when you resist your emotion, it just makes it feel bigger. The truth is our emotions are simply vibrations that move through our bodies as a result of how we interpret something that we see, something that we hear or touch. For instance, I don't like snakes because I've had a negative experience in my past with snakes. So whenever I see anything that's scaly, whether it's a snake or not, I automatically start feeling fear. Not because anything has happened, but because my brain has learned to interpret anything with skills (laughs) as something that I need to fear. So I remember going to Florida when we were newly married, my husband and I, and I can't remember where we were, but we were invited to hold these baby alligators. I'm not kidding you, I almost peed myself. The baby alligators were calm, their mouths were taped shut, there was no danger, but I wanted to pass out and the only reason i eventually touched them was because i wasn't going to embarrass myself in front of the little kids who were busy just playing with the alligators like it was nothing in this case i was in no danger but my brain had interpreted the scaly looking skin as dangerous and something i need to run away from and this happens to us a lot so if you were told you're too emotional as a child or crying is for people who are weak, then you might carry this on and put your emotions in a box that you just pull out maybe once in a while when something terrible has happened. But then you still feel bad because you think that it is wrong. And this is typically why a lot of us, especially women, eat emotionally because we don't know how to process our emotions. And then we end up eating out of frustration, out of shame, out of guilt for feeling the feeling we had in the first place. And now I know that some of you know what I'm talking about. This is very common with some of my clients who will tell me that they're worried that they may be too emotional. But once we start exploring what that really means, typically it's just that they have that belief that they must only feel happy, sad, or mad. And anything outside that is a terrible thing. But guess what? There's so many feelings available to us as humans and only focusing on three narrows your scope of awareness to what's happening around you and it limits how you're able to respond to the world around you. So like I said, our emotions are just vibrations going through our bodies 
they're our brain's way of calling our attention to something that's happening. So when you're willing to have all the feelings, you can learn to respond rather than react to situations. You can learn to tell your brain, I'm not in danger. It's okay. I've got this. Now, one thing I teach my clients in Thrive is to name their feelings with words and to get familiar with how those emotions feel in their bodies. So at the beginning, this might feel a bit strange because, you know, they're not used to it, but it is possible for you to practice and you can try too. A simple practice you could do is just sitting calmly and think about a time when you were truly happy. Obviously, make sure you're in a safe space. Think about the time when you were really happy. Vividly think and remember what it felt like. What were the things that were going on in your body? Did you have butterflies in your tummy? Did your heart beat faster? Did you feel a little warm and fuzzy over your body? Describe those sensations and write them down. And now I want you to think about a time when you felt really sad. How did that feel for you? Did you feel warm all over? Or maybe cold in some parts of your body? Did you feel like you wanted to close up like a clam? Describe the sensations and write them down. Now I want you to notice how these two emotions feel very different in your body. And just by paying attention to them, you're able to tune into the thoughts that you had about that moment. It's the same thing with other emotions. Once you start paying attention to what's happening in your body, you can slowly learn to name those emotions and remind yourself that it's okay. The worst thing that can happen is that you're having an emotional reaction. And that's fine. You don't need to respond. Again, your brain just wants your attention. So when you learn to name the emotion, over time your brain will learn to be okay and know that you're in charge. Another reason why I like this practice is because sometimes we get confused when we have bodily reactions and we're not really sure what we need to do. For example, I have the same bodily reaction when I'm afraid as when I'm excited. So my palms get sweaty, I feel chills, I get nuts in my stomach, and sometimes I may need to go to the bathroom for number two. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but I know that I found out that Mel Robbins has the same experience too. <laughs> so I'm guessing there are a lot more of you out there. Now there was a time when I would feel terrible and whenever I had those sensations, I would interpret that feeling as only fear. And in my mind, I would think, okay, I'm not ready for this. I don't know what to do. I'm probably going to suck. But that wasn't true. I had just only known this response as fear. But once I got intentional about the thoughts behind my feeling, I realized that there were times when I was just really excited to go do something. And most of those things I was pretty good at and I loved doing them. So then I really had to pay attention. Okay, how is feeling excited different from fear? And then I noticed that when I'm afraid, my neck gets warm. I don't have that sensation when I'm excited. So now I know how to separate the two. And even though every time I want to have a talk or sing or present or facilitate a session, I still get some of those sensations. I don't worry about it anymore and I don't feel bad about it. I just remind myself that everything's okay and this is just a normal part of who I am. And now the energy that I show up to deliver those things is so different 
than when I was just going by default and thinking I was afraid. So I want you to welcome all your feelings, get familiar with them, and name them. Another thing I want you to do is to learn to interrupt yourself. So many of us are so used to thinking on default that we only have one way to respond to something. I'm going to bring this into motherhood. So for so many of us, an area that I see a lot of moms struggle with is when it comes to feeding their kids. Automatically, they think about going for a meal with their children and they start to feel anxious. And because they're anxious, they try to control every possible outcome at the dinner table. Now, eating dinner with your kids is not dangerous, but you have thoughts about it. And then your brain interprets that as danger and something that you need to be saved from. So you act from a place of fear and try to control everything. And this isn't helpful. Another thing is just being a mom. While many of us may not be faced with physical dangers, there are stressors in our lives that contribute to our brains thinking that we're in danger. Just, I mean, living in the world, especially in this day and age with the pandemic, if you're having to juggle multiple things at the same time, you're not sleeping properly, perhaps you're caring for an elderly parent or a child, there's so many things. And most of the time, we have thoughts about these things. The thoughts could be things like, this is so hard, I'm helpless, it's so stressful. I want you to notice your tendency to have these kinds of thoughts because they're not serving you. And if anything, they're actually contributing to the feelings of anxiety in your body, which make you feel even more stressed. So when you start to feel that buzz of anxiety in your body during the day, rather than react immediately, how about interrupting yourself by acknowledging what has happened or what is happening and then ask yourself, what am I making this mean? You might be surprised at what comes up for you. Typically, the thoughts that we have about situations are the very things that are leading us to react in our lives. Of course, if you're in danger, I don't want you to be trying to be calm. You have to get to safety. But as long as no one is getting hurt, you're not in any danger, you have the permission to interrupt your brain and pay attention and start questioning those thoughts so that you can find more meaningful answers for yourself and learn to take proactive action. But the last thing I want to talk about is being willing to allow negative emotions. Many of us are okay with emotions that we've been trained to think are okay to have. So things like love, happiness, joy, but then we struggle with things like fear, anger, envy, even shame. But the thing is this, all emotions are welcome. Even the ones we tend to think are negative play a role too. So for instance, when you see someone being treated unjustly, Your anger is probably the thing that'll spur you to do something about it. In that moment when you're trying to do something, you're probably thinking, this isn't right. Humans shouldn't be treated this way. And that spurs you to do something. So for me, emotions are neither good nor bad. They're neutral. So whether I have a good emotion or a bad emotion, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my value and my worth as a human being. And I'm just going to say this, feeling happy all the time... (laughs) doesn't make you any more worthy or valuable than somebody else. And feeling sad doesn't mean anything about you either. These feelings are just an invitation to explore what you're thinking. So when you're feeling sad instead of feeling bad about it, think about the thought behind that feeling. If you can move past that fear of feeling sad, then you'll be able to do something about the issue rather than trying to numb out with the prescription of a bubble bath and getting your nails done or a bag of chips. 
While these behaviors may help you in that moment, they're not sustainable and they're definitely not solving the problem. So my friends, the worst thing about having a negative emotion, in my opinion, is just that you have an emotion and that's okay. Again, as long as you're not in danger, you can learn to experience the emotion, let it run through your body, remind yourself that you're safe and it's okay. And once it passes through, it's done and it goes away. And the next time that happens, your brain recognizes and says, okay, I know what this is. We're safe. And that is how you move through the world, proactively taking action instead of reacting to your life. Before I go, I just want to say that your feelings are your superpower. So if you feel like you have too many emotions, it's a good thing. Invest in your emotional self-care. It is totally worth it. I hope this was helpful. I love to hear your takeaways and I want to know what are you going to do differently about your emotions? Take a snapshot of this episode. Come on over to Instagram and send me a DM or tag me at Olive and Bliss Wellness. And if what I said here resonates with you, then I'd love to invite you to sign up for the Motherhood Stress Reframe. It's a mini training that I have coming up on November 4th at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a simple conversation. We're just going to learn what happens when you're feeling stressed and why what you're doing to manage stress may not be working for you. And then I'm going to give you the tools and the strategies that will help you navigate stress without pulling out your hair. It's going to be a fun one. You can check out all the details and sign up at oliveandbliss.ca forward slash training. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you the link. I can't wait to see you there. All right, my friends, I hope you have an awesome week ahead. And as always, keep thriving.